Excellent. What a good morning. How do you feel this morning? Good, great, alive, excited, happy, at peace, joyful. I hope you feel all those things this morning. It's always good to get together in this place and come together and worship and celebrate um, new life. And what a blessing and privilege and honor it is to come together and witness and celebrate with the Pecoras Everly's life. I feel a little out of touch with the baby role. I'm sweating buckets up here this morning trying to, you know, I didn't want her to really cry too hard. A little sweaty now. <laughs> but what a beautiful gift that is for all of us to witness and to be a part of and to commit to pray for this beautiful family. So here we are one week after Resurrection Sunday, as Cameron has alluded to a few times this morning. Last week, we came together and celebrated Christ's victory over death and the grave. We celebrated Jesus as our living hope, right? We haven't forgotten, right? He is our living hope. Jesus' resurrection means everything. It means everything, doesn't it? I'm going to need some head nods and some praise gods and hallelujahs. It means everything, right? Amen. Yes, thank you. The women at the tomb and the disciples and followers of Jesus, the first preachers of the resurrection, they risked their lives to proclaim this news. They knew it was life-changing, life-altering, life-giving. And now, 2,000 years later, it's still life-changing, isn't it? This is where you nod and say, amen, yes, it's still life-changing. <laughs> to know that our Creator our Holy Father loves and cares so deeply for us that we are not left just without hope in this world. We're not stuck or just left in our sin and shame. Jesus' resurrection paved the way for our redemption. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So this morning, we're looking in the book of John together. Thank you, Carla, for reading the word with us. And we're looking first in chapter 14, where Jesus tells his followers about the Holy Spirit who will come. And now this is a bit of a precursor this morning to a series we're going to look at together in May, which is all about the Holy Spirit. But following Resurrection Sunday, I think this is really important because it's the Holy Spirit who helps us to live our lives here on this earth in resurrection power. We sang the words together, by your spirit, I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. Because of Christ's 
death and resurrection, we have new life. If anyone is in Christ Jesus, the old is gone, the new life has begun. And that takes place now here on this earth and in the life to come when God's kingdom is fulfilled. And this new life, it gets worked out in us because of the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit. As believers in Jesus, and I'm not just talking partial belief in Jesus, not that he was a good man or a prophet or that he simply existed. I mean belief that he lived, died, rose again, that he is the Savior of the world. With this belief, we are saved, filled, sealed, and sanctified through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yes. Yes. It really is the difference between us today and the Israelites we've been studying together in our last series. They didn't have God's Holy Spirit with them to help them remain faithful, to help them obey and follow God's commands. They didn't have that inner voice from the Spirit of God living within them to guide and help them and remember God's calling on their lives. Remember Jeremiah and Ezekiel's prophecy. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. We know, we know this describes us today, post-resurrection, post-Pentecost. We are invited into something more profound than what the Israelites experienced. In verse 23, in our passage, Jesus says, If anyone loves me, they will keep my word. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. So we were created in the image of the triune God and the Holy Spirit residing in us as believers today is how we can live in loving union with God today. And so this is where we land this morning in the book of John. We have Jesus teaching his disciples about the coming of the Holy Spirit and what that really means for his followers. In verse 16, Jesus says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. And the Amplified Translation adds comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby to be with you forever. And so Jesus, he's encouraging his disciples here, explaining to them that when he leaves, that is after his death and resurrection, they will be able to carry on his work in the world, that is his mission, that is building his kingdom, because they will have the Holy Spirit empowering them to do it, giving them help, giving them strength and courage and comfort and wisdom for all they need to do. And verse 17 and 18, Jesus continues and says, The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive and take to its heart because it does not see him or know him, 
but you know him because he, the Holy Spirit, remains with you continually and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, comfortless, bereaved, and helpless. I will come back to you. So the Spirit of Truth is another name for the Holy Spirit because the Spirit is truth and guides us into all truth. Jesus is truth, so it makes sense that the Spirit would be truth. And what this tells me, friends, is that the Holy Spirit is our wise counsel. The Holy Spirit is our wise counsel. We all need wise counsel, right? People in our lives who we know have our best interest at heart, who we know will guide us in the right direction, who we can trust. We all need wise counsel. The Holy Spirit is our wise counsel. I'm not saying we don't need the other wise people in our lives because I believe God brings people alongside us to be wise counsel. But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is wise counsel for the believer, pointing us to, reminding us of the truth that's found in Jesus, prompting us in situations to recall what the scriptures say, or prompting us in situations to respond in Christ-likeness, impressing on us to do something or not do something. We've all been faced with situations or presented with challenges where we've had to really think about how do we respond here? When we bring those things to the Father in prayer, we make room for the Spirit to counsel us, to guide us towards God's perfect will for our lives, to help us recall truth, or for those times or situations where a response needs to happen right away, we can feel the Spirit prompting us in a certain direction. The Holy Spirit is our wise counsel. And so let's, let's make sure we're tapping into the Spirit who is at work in us, that we're aware of his presence, his moving, his leading, his prompting in our lives. Let's not tune him out or doubt him. If the leading and prompting in your heart aligns with the scripture, the truths, it's the work of the Spirit. In John 16, verses 13 to 15, we read these words. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. And the Holy Spirit guides us into truth. We live in a world where subjectivism is everywhere. This idea that you have your truth and I have my truth and they don't have to be the same truth. And that's dangerous. It's dangerous. Because God's word is truth. Jesus says, what about truths? What does Jesus say about truths? 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so as Christians, we can be sure of the truth. It's found in God's word. And the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. In verse 26, Jesus says this, But the helper, again, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf, he will teach you all things, and he will help you remember everything that I have told you. And when Jesus was on earth, people didn't always understand what he was trying to do or what he was telling them or teaching them, right? We've seen this over and over again in the disciples and the religious rulers. Jesus taught them things, told them what was going to happen to him, and they still didn't get it. But here Jesus promises the Spirit will recall the things he has done and said and fix them in the minds of his followers. He will teach you all things and he will help you remember everything that I have told you. Jesus says the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name will do this. And I just wanna highlight how we see the triune God at work here in these passages. Again, the Father will send the Spirit in the name of Jesus. This is God working for our benefit. Jesus' primary work in the world was revealing the Father. The work of the Spirit is revealing Jesus to his followers. Jesus, the Father, will come and make their home with those who love him by his Spirit. So much beauty and mystery here in this, isn't it? Sometimes I think we just rush right through um, what we're reading, but if we really sit and take that in, that he will come and make his home with us. Let's just marvel at that for a minute. Let's jump ahead to John chapter 20, verses 19 to 23. Now, this is the resurrected Jesus appearing to his disciples. It says this, So when it was evening on that same day, the first day of the week, though the disciples were meeting behind barred doors for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace to you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. When the disciples saw the Lord, they were filled with great joy. Then Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you as my representatives. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven because of their faith. If you retain the sins of anyone, they are retained and remain unforgiven because of their unbelief. So we have the disciples meeting behind closed, barred doors because they are afraid of the Jews, the religious leaders, the temple authorities who wanted Jesus killed. They're afraid they will come and find them and arrest them too and that their fate would be as Jesus was. So Jesus appearing to them when the doors are barred shut 
It's miraculous. Miraculous. Now, Jesus is fulfilling his promises about the coming of the Spirit right here. Now, it's not Pentecost where all believers are given the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, but it's a foreshadow of it for sure. So this had to be a transforming experience for the disciples, this special filling of the Spirit in these moments, which would empower them to carry on Christ's mission in the world that is sharing the gospel message that there is forgiveness of sins for all who would believe in Jesus Christ. Only God has the power to forgive sins. He instructs the disciples to share this news with new believers, that their sins are forgiven because of their beliefs in Jesus. They're also called to share the danger of rejecting the gospel. Whether or not sins will be forgiven depends on the acceptance or rejection of Christ. An interesting parallel here. Jesus breathes on the disciples and says, receive the Holy Spirit. The old creation began with what? The breath of God. Now the new creation begins with the breath of God, a son. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. A new creation begins with the breath of God, the Son. So Jesus empowers the disciples with the Holy Spirit, filling them. Let's think about Jesus and his um, relationship with the Spirit for a moment. Let's think back to the beginning of the book of John together. When Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist, there is an anointing of the Spirit that came to Jesus where the Spirit came down from heaven as a dove. John the Baptist explains that God had told him, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 3, verse 34, we read these words about Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit. The one whom God has sent to represent him will speak the words of God because God has poured out upon him the fullness of of the Holy Spirit without limitation. Jesus is also described as the one in whom the Spirit flows like a living spring, a source of life and refreshment and renewal that will be offered following his glorification. That is his death and resurrection. So then, as Jesus says here to his disciples, peace to you as the Father has sent me, I also send you as my representatives, as his representatives then, that includes me and you as followers of Jesus today, in advancing the work and mission of God in sharing the gospel and building his kingdom, we are empowered as Jesus was empowered. We have the Holy Spirit just as Jesus did when he was anointed and just as Jesus promised 
we would, we have same spirit at work in us, giving us new life, refreshing our souls. Titus chapter 3, 4 and 6 says this, He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Christ Jesus, our Savior. He poured out on us generously, generously. We don't just have a little bit of the Spirit. People don't have more or less of the Spirit than you or me. Every believer in Jesus Christ has the Holy Spirit within them. Now, it's possible that we can go through the day without paying attention to the Holy Spirit. We can ignore it, the Spirit, or we doubt the Spirit. And I believe we're missing out on God's best for us when we do this. But if we believe in Jesus Christ, meaning we believe in his death and resurrection, when our lives reflect this truth, we have his Holy Spirit within us. And friends, this is a gift. It's a gift. Are you thankful for this gift? Yeah, amen. Is thankful that we are not just left to figure things out and, and go through this cycle as the Israelites did. We have the Spirit equipping us and empowering us and helping us and bringing things to mind and prompting us and leading us and filling us. It goes on and on and on. We have the Spirit helping us, helping us live life on this earth to the full. Spirit is our helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, stand by our wise counsel. Because of the Holy Spirit, we remain in God's holy presence on this earth. Our lives are better for it, and the world is better for it. A.W. Tozer has said, The Spirit-filled life is not a special deluxe edition of Christianity. It is part and parcel of the total plan of God for his people. Because of the Holy Spirit, we are able to recall the things of God. We feel convicted by our sin, and so we're able to stop, repent, confess, turn our ways around. Because of the Holy Spirit, we have the power to overcome what do you need to overcome this morning? You can ask the Holy Spirit to help you. The same power that rose Christ from the grave lives in you. Ask the Spirit to help you overcome. Because of the Holy Spirit, we're able to bear good fruit in this world. Fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of the flesh. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. As they come, what are the fruits of the Spirit? Can you remember them? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. Yeah. The fruit of the Spirit is evidence 
that God is working in your life. And so if you're living these, these fruits of the spirit, if they're a reflection um, of you, and it's the spirit of God in you, because these are the fruits that reflect God. These are the fruits that he wants us to cover this world with. God's plan was to dwell with us in loving union. One day that will happen in full when Jesus returns. But because of the Spirit, we live in loving union with God. Now, before we worship, let's pray together. Dear God, we give you thanks this morning. Thank you for how you gloriously saved us. God, how you have not just left us in our sin and shame and darkness. God, but you, you came and lived and taught us, God, of how to love and how to follow you because that is the best way for us. You died and you rose again so that we could be set free from the sin and darkness. You can be clean and stand worthy, forgiven, live with hope, live with love and gratefulness in this life. But help us as your church to walk faithfully with you. May we wake each day knowing that you are with us by your spirit. Help us to just live in, in tune with your spirit so that we can truly follow you and become all that you've called us to be, to just bear your fruit all over this world. We love you, God. Thank you for all that you've done for us, all that you are doing and all that you are going to do. We know and believe that there are great things ahead for all of us as, as followers of you. We love you and we worship you today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.